Ion 2020, episode 192. Have 2020 Vision with Ion 2020, your source for the news and events in the lead up to the 2020 presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date daily until November 2020 with a libertarian perspective on the candidates and their policies along with the news. Thank you for joining me. Now let's clear our vision. What's up, everybody? Thank you for joining me on Ion 2020. That is your source. That's right. Your source. For the news, the events, things that go on in the 2020 election, making sure that you are up to date, up to speed, and well read on all of the things that are going on in this election. Not only so you can be ready to vote, a lot of you guys don't even vote, right? So, not only that, but those that are going to vote, you could be ready with some good libertarian ideals to make some decisions with, right? But you can also, if you don't vote or you just, you know, not excited about voting for Democrats or Republicans, you might be thinking to yourself, hey, I think I'm going to vote for a libertarian. Well, hey, you know what? You'll have the libertarian points of view on these things as well. You will also know about the libertarian candidates because once they start coming out, once they start, you know, shooting off their agendas and stuff like that, I will bring you all that information as well. I just haven't seen a lot of uh, action going on in the libertarian movement lately. Uh, with regards to the presidential election, I think a few people have announced and stuff like that, but there's nothing really that's uh, that's you know finalized or anything. I mean, there's no huge candidates in the race or anything like that. And those are the ones that are gonna get the most publicity. I mean, a Gary Johnson back in 2012 and 2016 was a pretty big hype and all that stuff. You guys know that. And uh, then we got, uh, I mean, who's gonna be the the big name this time. They're saying Justin Amash is kind of dipping his toe into the water to see if he's going to run. I'm not sure if he will. Um, I do follow him on Twitter, though, and he's been a pretty outspoken critic of Donald Trump on this whole whistleblower thing with this uh, Ukraine situation and all. And uh, it's interesting to listen to his point of view because he's actually, I, I think he's been liberalized in some ways with, uh, not liberal, but liberalized where or liberated that's a better word to say he's been liberated from the democrats and the republicans and he's able to criticize on both sides when he decided to run or become an independent and i think that's a good thing i really do uh we'll see where he goes on the libertarian though justin amash i, I like his politics i know that every single libertarian that's like die hard you know almost anarchist or minarchist or whatever is gonna beat him up for everything but you know what um he's somebody that has name recognition he's pretty darn focused in on a lot of the good principles of libertarianism and uh, i don't see why he wouldn't be a good potential candidate down the road don't know that i would endorse anybody on this show or anything like that but um you want to have some i've, I've kind of felt this way is that you want to have someone that has name recognition you want to have somebody that people get excited about you also want to have somebody that can get onto the news that's the key is getting into the news getting into the media but then we need to have somebody that you, we feel confident that if they did get all the media appearances and they did get onto the news they were able to get onto like the headlines and you know into the headlines and stuff. The headlines are not going to read. Gary Johnson doesn't even know what Lepo is. So we want someone that we can feel confident in that. That's well spoken. That understands libertarian principles and agrees with us on 
80 to 85 percent of the stuff you know i mean i'm not gonna fight somebody on the five or ten or fifteen percent that they don't agree with me on now if they're complete socialists and then they have good libertarian views on anti-war issues i'll give them a dollar for their campaign tulsi gabbard i will but um other than that i don't know that i would support them i just want to see an anti-war message on that debate stage and stuff that's why i did that for tulsi gabbard but other than that i mean i'm not convinced uh i, I wouldn't support somebody as a libertarian in that way now if they became the if somebody that was like socialist on economic issues and then they were great on anti-war and they decided to run as libertarian i don't know that they would get the nomination in the first place though because most libertarians even if it's like a big name person uh or whatever they're not gonna vote for somebody that's like a socialist by any means so let's say tulsi gabbard by some surprise decides to run as a libertarian which i don't think that she would anyway she probably would go like green party or something like that she was gonna go outside the box but she'll probably just conform and run with the democrat like she'll probably if bernie sanders became the person and elizabeth warren became the person she would just support that person that's what democrats do they kind of fall in line just like the republicans they fall in line behind their candidate every single time ron paul went way outside the box and did not support uh john mccain and did not didn't, didn't endorse uh, mitt romney back in 2008 and then again in 2012 but that's because he takes a principled stance on those things and uh i think that's a good thing i think that's a good thing that he wasn't willing to do that um but i'm pretty sure tulsi gabbard would just go ahead and just you know what uh fallen fallen behind behind the candidate because they just all want to beat donald trump i mean if you look at democrats that's what they're looking at is they just want to beat donald trump but um anyways guys what i wanted to talk about today specifically is just i was looking into this whole um ukraine thing and i was looking into the whistleblower the whistleblower uh whatever their the 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 thing that they submitted whoever this whistleblower was they haven't really announced who it is um but whatever they submitted they ended up releasing that and it's interesting to look into it um i kind of did a little bit of research on it and stuff like that but uh the main thing is is that yeah there was a conversation that happened between donald trump and the ukrainian president right the new ukrainian president back in july so this this conversation did happen donald trump released the report said oh there's no hype around this thing whatever and uh it turns out that there kind of was because he says i want you to do me a favor and then immediately starts talking about the thing with joe biden and his son and the company that they worked for or that he works for and uh so there is that like he said i need i would like for you to do me a favor now it's not that donald trump specifically said that in regards to hey i'm holding this money over your head in order to get you to do me this favor but still he said i want you to do me a favor now i don't know what the legal legalities are of this i already talked about that but the thing that the whistleblower talked about was there was a lot that happened before and after this whole conversation that they felt was wrong and this is what happened this is what i was looking into um after the conversation happened now donald trump and his people knew that this conversation was recorded and then transcribed right 
and there's a normal process with these transcriptions for them to go into a specific file and then they would stay there for the people to look at down the road I guess I'm not sure exactly how it works but there was specifically attempts to ha that attempts by the Trump administration to get that file cleared off of the normal database and put somewhere else so the whistleblower basically said that that was outside the norm and uh that was definitely since the conversation happened and it was a there was a lot of stuff that happened before and afterwards that might have been outside of um what a president should be doing and then the fact that the trump administration at that point tried to hide the um the transcript of that particular conversation because there's a lot of conversation at that point between, hey, I need you to talk to my my good friend Rudy Giuliani. I need you to talk to my people and da da da. da. Uh, that's what Donald Trump was saying in the transcribed document. But then what happened with Rudy Giuliani when he got there? Is Rudy Giuliani some kind of messenger? I don't know. We're purely speculating at that point. But there's a little more to this story than meets the eye, I think. Where there's smoke, there's fire. I definitely see some smoke here. Um, I don't know the legalities of it, though. And what I'm concerned about, not concerned about, what I'm, I mean, obviously, any president, specifically Donald Trump, Barack Obama, George W. Bush, any president is going to try to skirt the lines of what their power, what, what power they have, right? They're going to try to um, work right on these right on the outskirts of what's legal and what's not legal. They're going to do a lot of things and they're going to try to cover up a lot of things and they're going to have conversations and try to manipulate certain people in a certain way. That's politics, I'm sure. And that's international politics in some way also. They're going to do that. But if Donald Trump is trying to hurt one of his opponents that's running for president with an investigation by the Ukrainian minister and using his authority as the president to do that. Is that right? I I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't know if it's illegal. I just don't think it's right. Uh, but that, I mean, my opinion doesn't matter whatsoever. It really comes down to what are the Democrats going to do and what is the House going to do? Because the Republicans that are in the House, they're going to go a lockstep together. They're going to defend Donald Trump to the dying day. They, they're willing to do it on everything. So they're definitely going to do it in this situation also. You might get a few Republicans that move over towards the Democrats or whatever in the House, but I don't even know in an impeachment proceeding if the House even matters because I think it really comes down to the Senate and their vote to impeach, which would actually get a president out of office. But if you put enough pressure on Donald Trump, if they put enough pressure on him in the House... Will he step down? That's not happening, guys. That's definitely not happening. Uh, that's what I've that's what I've wondered would happen, but I don't think it's going to happen because um, they're just going to try to beat this guy up. But the more they beat him up, the more that he digs in, and also the more his supporters dig in, and that's probably going to help him in the in the election. I'm pretty sure. I don't see his numbers, his approval numbers going down by any means yet. But then again, I'm just looking. I mean, though those numbers haven't really come out yet uh, on the overall approval rating. Rasmussen has them at like 51 to 47, per, 51 percent approve, 50, 47 percent disapprove. Rasmussen tends to be 
a little higher than the other ones. A lot of the other ones are like 45% approve, 52% disapprove is what I've seen, or even less than that in some cases. Very few are much more than that. And Rasmussen seems like they're usually a little bit higher, but they do a daily tracking poll, whereas the other ones are like a weekly tracking poll, and they take averages over the course of some time. Same thing with Rasmussen. They do a daily tracking poll and do some averages, and that's how they figure their stuff out as well. So um, they they might be more accurate because they're daily. I'm not sure. And they call like 2,000 people a day to get their approval and disapproval. So who knows? I mean, we'll see over the course of the next week or so, and especially over the next couple of months if the Democrats keep on doing this, um, whether they're going to go through this impeachment or not. Last, what was it? I think it was Wednesday night after the rep- after the transcribed report of the conversation came out. The Republicans were dancing in their chair on Fox News, I know that. But the Democrats were dancing in their chair saying that there was, you know, fire within within this smoke. And they were saying, oh yeah, we have every grounds to impeach Donald Trump now. I wasn't convinced that there was that there was that much that there was that much going on within the transcription of this conversation. Uh, I didn't really see that it would be grounds to impeach by any means by looking at that. But I don't know the legal the legal side of it. I don't, I don't know the rules and the laws and the regulations that go along with this stuff. So uh, I need to be a little bit more up on those things, I guess. Uh, but whenever I saw the whistleblower's statement and all that, that's when I kind of started to think to myself, yeah, if there was more going on before and after than what's just talked about in the in this um, transcribed conversation between the Ukrainian president and Donald Trump. If there was stuff going on before and stuff going on after, all that stuff will come out at some point as well. It's very hard to go off the record, I'm sure, within a presidential administration, but what did Giuliani talk about with the... Did, did Giuliani even go over to the Ukraine? I don't think I've heard anything about that either. Has Giuliani had that conversation with the president of Ukraine? I don't know. But if he did, what happened? What did they say? What did they talk about? Did they talk about getting this guy, you know, or investigating Joe Biden's son? Did they talk about investigating Joe Biden? Did Rudy Giuliani try to pressure him in a little bit more forceful of a way than what Donald Trump did? Because I don't feel like Donald Trump was pressuring him in the conversation he had. I think he was just suggesting things during this conversation like do me a favor and uh he was kind of bouncing around the idea of saying hey investigate joe biden but i don't know i it's an interesting it's an interesting thing that's going to happen over the next several months if the democrats continue to go through the whole impeachment proceedings we will see though i mean it's going to be good entertainment for you guys especially the way that donald trump reacts to this because every time something comes out he blows out like you know five or ten tweets about it and stuff and uh he's gonna try to beat up his opponents and they're gonna try to beat him up uh that's just politics and we'll see where it goes but um that's all i got for you this is your friday show so i appreciate those that continue to listen to the show every single day monday through friday i want to make sure that i'm putting out some great content for you And that's what I try to do every single day. Uh, So go ahead if you like what you hear. Continuing to like what you hear. If it's your first time listening and you like what you hear, then you might as well go ahead and subscribe to the show. 
got 190, what is it, 191 episodes before this one, so you could listen to the, some of those as well. Um, they're not all like news topics of the day. A lot of times I'm covering the candidates and their policies, so you can go back and listen to those, especially like if you see one about Elizabeth Warren or Joe Biden or any Tulsi Gabbard or whatever. Like I have lots of shows about the candidates and their policies as well, so you can be up to speed on those. I'll probably do more policy shows down the road as well as we get further into this thing. Um, but we'll see what happens. So go ahead and subscribe to the show. And then, you know what? You've been listening for a long time. So you might as well give me a five-star rating and review, right? If you keep on coming back, you're like, yeah, I haven't given him a rating yet, but I'm think, I've been thinking about it. Well, you know what? When you're on your couch tonight watching TV, five-star rating and review, guys. It's always helpful for me. And uh, then Ray at IonTheEmpire.com is my email if you want to email me. You could also uh, follow me. Facebook and Twitter is IonTheEmpire, and then IonTheEmpire.com is where you got me as well. That's the website. And if you want to support the show, boom, anchor.fm slash ion2020. And then if you do all that, then you come back on Monday. What are you going to have, guys? Clear vision for 2020. Okay, it's official. First Year in Sales with Ray Eaton. The website is up, firstyearinsales.com, as well as the podcast, First Year in Sales. So, if you know somebody or if you happen to be in sales, you might as well go ahead and check this thing out, right? Because it is going to help you become a better salesperson by grounding you with the habits and the skills needed to be successful in sales, especially in your first year. But even if you're not in your first year, might as well check it out because then you'll be able to get back to the basics and getting back to the basics is key in sales. I've always felt that way. So go ahead and check it out. First Year in Sales is ready and it's a podcast and you can do firstyearinsales.com.